Well, good evening again. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn again to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to, having looked at verse 13 this morning, we're now going to uh, look at the next three verses which work in tandem with that single verse we saw this morning. So we're going to be uh, sinking our teeth into verse 14, verse 15, and verse 16 tonight of Matthew chapter number 5. So let me uh, read that section to you. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Now, um, just by way of of helping you stay in flow with the context. We finished up the Beatitudes. Beatitudes showing us the character of those that truly belong to the kingdom of God. And now, verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, verse 16, we saw this morning that he began to show us the identity of those that are in the kingdom. These verses show us what happens, who we are in this world. If we're subjects or members of the kingdom of God and of heaven, which is out of this world, this is who we, the church, who we are in this world. We are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. And we do not want to drift away from the awareness of who we are. Because when we drift away from the awareness of who we are, when we begin to drift from the feeling the weight of our identity in this world, then it begins to cause us to lose our saltiness and dim our lights. And when individual Christians become desalted saints and dim lights, I didn't call you a dim wit, but that's basically what you are when you're a dim light, okay? When we dim our lights and we become desalted, we then as the church collective begin to lose our effectiveness in the communities in which the Lord has planted us. So we want to heed the words of Jesus and we want to embrace His affirmation, His declaration, His, His teaching concerning who we are. Amen? So we saw this morning that we are the salt of the earth. Uh, we saw the, I guess you could say in one way, the taste of true Christianity. It's salty. And we talked about the implications of that and the warning that Jesus gave. Now, I suppose, as we continue to consider identity, we're looking at the appearance of Christianity. We're the light. The light of the world. 
That is, we the church are. Um, Verse 14 is, is very emphatic in the original Cohen Greek for that text. It literally is saying that we are the light. You, we alone, church alone, are the light of the world. You, it's actually plural, focus on the collective. You, collective church, are the singular light of the world. Now... I want to ask some questions of this verse 14, verse 15, verse 16. Uh, Three questions, really. And the first question that that declaration uh, bids me to ask is, how is this possible? How is it possible that Jesus can call the church collective the light of the world? The reason why I ask the question, how is it possible, is because on the surface, that statement can be problematic. You say, how so? Well, it can be, it can seem, and I'm using language specifically, it can seem problematic to be called the light of the world in this sense. We once were, you know, subjects of the kingdom of darkness, and now we have been graciously, through God's salvation, brought into the kingdom of the light. But we are being called the light of the world when the Bible tells us Jesus is the light of the world. How can that be? John said of Jesus in John chapter 1 and verse number 9, he said when he was talking about the incarnation of God coming into human flesh, he said, and the true light has appeared, which gives light to everyone. The true, singular light has appeared, which gives light to everyone. Jesus in John's gospel, you go over to the 8th chapter in the 12th verse, in his 7th I am statement, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in, the, uh, will walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So how, how, what you do with that? How do, you, how do you reconcile that? How do you bring those... Truths together. Who's the light of the world? The church collective or the Christ who saves? Who is it? What does that mean? Well, you ready to shake your head a little bit? They're both right. How can that be? How is it? That Jesus can declare himself the light of the world, and yet Jesus can declare the church collective the light of the world. Well, let me first of all make something very clear Jesus Christ is the exclusive, singular light of the world. There's no, there's no flirting with any other possibility. There's no other explanation. He is the light of the world. I once heard a pastor. He made this statement. I don't know that, that he really meant to, that he intended the message that it conveyed. But he said that Jesus was a light of the world. No, Jesus is not a light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. 
He's the only light of the world. There is no rival for His glory. There are no competitive, there are no competitors for His lighthood. It is not Jesus is the light, Buddha is the light, Muhammad is the light. It's not, no, Jesus is the light and every other so-called light is an artificial false light. Jesus himself is the exclusive light. That title only belongs to Christ alone. So how is it possible that Jesus can call the Christian, the collective of, the, of Christians, the body of Christ, the church, how is it that He can call us the light of the world? Well, it's like this. And this is the only way I know how to explain this to you. Is we are reflectors of the singular light of the world. Okay? We are reflectors of Him. Jesus is the light of the world. We who are in the body of Christ are reflectors of the one true light. The light of Matthew chapter 5 and 14 to which Jesus gives to us who are the church, it does not originate from within ourselves. We don't have the light. We're not born with the light. This light is alien to us. We reflect the true light by virtue of the fact that we are the members of the kingdom of God who are blessed and happy. And we reflect His light. I like what Dr. Barnhouse said, Donald Gray Barnhouse, he explains the reflection like this, and I quote him, I do not plagiarize him. That is a, that is a big issue in, 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 in Southern Baptist life today. I'm not going to get off on, on that issue, but I try to give credit where credit is due. And these are his words, not mine. And I quote him, he said, When Christ was in the world, he was like the sun that is here in the day and gone at night. When the sun sets, the moon comes up and reflects the light from the sun. We, the true believers in Jesus Christ, are like the moon reflecting the sunlight, end quote. Now, certainly we can understand that in a way. The moon is not the sun, but yet the light that the moon produces is that of the sun. It is solar light reflected to this planet. And we function in the same way. We are reflectors of Jesus Christ. Now that analogy drives home the point that we are reflectors and that the light does not originate from within ourselves. But I must tell you, it's really even deeper than that. There is some mystery to it. Because though we are not the light, and the light does not originate within us, we who were once in the kingdom of darkness have by sovereign grace been brought into a relationship with the light of the world in which we share in that light in some mysterious way. There is, and do not let my words scare you, there is somewhat of a mystical union with He that is the light. And so, we, church, collective, are the light of the world. Well, now what does this mean? 
He makes this declaration. What does it mean? What does that mean for little old you sitting in the pew? What does that mean for those of us that are called by that precious name, Christian? It is unique. What does that mean for us? What does it mean as we are the for our function as light, the light of the world? Well, there are a couple of implications of that. One of them is that we are vessels of revelation. We are vessels of revelation because light reveals. Light reveals. Let me think about it. You go into a dark room. If you go into a dark room and you don't know where the light switch is, you'll probably stump your toe. You'll probably scream, ouch, I cannot stand to stump, stump my toe. My son mentioned the other day, he's not here tonight so I can say this. He, he mentioned the other night, he said, I've never seen my dad so dramatic as to when he stumps his toe. <laughs> it hurts. It, it you go in a room, you see things that, that you can't really tell what you're looking at. You see strange things. I've, I've walked into walls. I've bumped into tables. I've stepped on stuff that should have not been left on the floor. I mean, but you cut on the light and you're like, oh, well, I see all these landmines that are about. I see where I could hurt myself. You know, you see that light reveals. It reveals. Um, well, uh, you see... We live in a world that's full of spiritual darkness. And in this world, the church reveal, the, the church who reflects the light of Christ reveals the reality of the world's condition around us. That's what we do. If we're reflected like we will shine like stars in this crooked and perverse generation, Paul writes the Philippian church. Philippians chapter 2. It's what we do. I like in Ephesians 5 how Paul describes this revelatory nature of being light. Um, he says this in um, Ephesians. He tells us that we have, well, he tells us that for at one time we walked in darkness, but now... You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Well, as it goes on, he says, um, he says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then verse 11, he, we read, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what light does. It reveals, it exposes. He says, and finally in verse 13, he says, Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. So we are vessels of revelation exposing the true nature of the world around us. Well, how do we practically do that? How do we practically do that? How do we let our light shine amongst those around us? Well, we do it 
And I'm very careful again with my, my words. We do it by our deeds followed by our words. Not our words and our deeds, but I, I prefer to say our deeds followed by our words. I think that's why Jesus declared us salt before he tells us we're light. We got to be spicy and preservatives and thirst stimulators with our with our lives before we can ever function effectively as light in the world. But we we do it through our deeds followed by our words as we forgive our offenders and as we feed our hungry and as we meet the needs of the needy and as we extend kindness to the unkind and as we bestow love unconditionally upon the unloving as we do such things our light is the way I like to say our light is powered up the current is flowing And we shine brighter and brighter. Our words then become oiled and primed by our salty actions. Which is imperative. Again, I think that's why Jesus declares us salt before he declares us as light. As our lives are salty, revealing the character of Christ, our mouths are free to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is through these two working in tandem, deed and word and word and deed, that we become vessels of revelation. Now, it means we are vessels of revelation, but secondly, it also means this. It means we're, we're like little alarm clocks. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, light awakens. Light awakens things. You ever go into a room early in the morning before the sun has come up, turned on the light, and your spouse is still asleep? What does that light do? It makes them ill. (laughs) <laughs> it wakes them up. Um, and I say that because if Angie does to me, I'm the one that gets ill. She, not so much. Um, but light awakens. I remember, you know, when I, I used, to, used to hunt, um, haven't hunted so much, so I was I wasn't never the deer slayer that my dad was, but I remember, you know, getting up and going to a shooting house while it was still dark before the sun has come up. You go and you sit up there and of course I always liked hunting in the afternoon because I, I, I just I'd fall asleep in a deer stand. Biggest deer I ever killed, the deer woke me up <laughs> and I shot it while it was running and I thought it I had lost it uh, but I found you know where the blood was and, and they were uh, losing parts of his spleen and um, Anyway, we soon found the deer. It was the next day, but we, uh, that's the only deer I have mounted. Um, but, uh, and, and Angie won't let me bring it out of the basement. But uh, anyway, um, I know what it was like when I'd be up the tree. It's the sun would begin to rise. Nature awakens. It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of neat. It's quiet and the still of the darkness. But then all of a sudden, it's the sun begins to rise in the eastern sky. 
You hear the birds begin to chirp. The squirrels begin to run about on the rustling of leaves. And you just hear uh, life there. It's like we're awake. And it was the light of the sun that did that. Wow. Just like the sun wakes up nature, the church of Jesus Christ, the true Christian person, the light of the world, we are used by the Holy Spirit to awaken those that are sleeping in darkness. We're even used to wake up our own brothers and sisters who are, who are, who are, who are living like they're asleep. But it awakens it awakens. Again, in Ephesians 5, the chapter where Paul called his children of light and said we were the light in the Lord. Um, verse, in verse 14, remember he told us that in, it is in the light that everything is made visible. Well, at the end of verse 14, um, he quotes from what was probably the line of an early Christian hymn. He says these words. Wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that's what our lights are being. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Well, how do we... How do we wake up the spiritually asleep? Well, the Holy Spirit alarms... Sounds the alarm as we preach Jesus Christ. And sinners are awakened and translated from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. That's how. It's not because you come up with some neat, cool schedule to get somebody's attention. It's not because of some gimmick that you put out there that drew them in. No. True spiritual change comes by simply preaching God's Word, living God's Word, and speaking the truth. Everything else is just extra. The Word of God is absolutely sufficient. That takes a lot of the burden off of you and me. Now, why is this so? In other words, why do we function as revealers and as alarm clocks? Why do we reflect the light of the world? Is that function our chief end? Is that why we exist? Do we simply exist to reflect the light? Well, not exactly. Because if that is our main purpose, then our main purpose is found in our function. And we miss the teaching of verse 16. And we need to see the teaching of verse 16. Our purpose is not found in the function of being light, but in our purpose for existence is found in the end result of our function as light. You see, verse 16 is very important. What does the text say? Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give you glory. No, Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that you may, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, God, who is in heaven. Our 
purpose is to glorify God. The catechism is right. Westminster was right. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. (laughs) Why was the catechism right? Because it is biblical. You see, we feed the hungry and we help the poor and we forgive the offender and we extend kindness to the unkind and we love the unlovely and we preach the gospel to the lost for one singular purpose. Soli Deo Gloria. We do it for the glory of God alone. We do not do it to grow your church. We do not do it simply that people may be saved. Though that is a wonderful thing. We don't save them. We just preach the gospel. But we preach the gospel and do those things and hope we see our church grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not for ourselves. Not for our glory. But for His glory alone. Let your light shine before others so that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven indication, implication of that is that the good works that you're doing are really empowered by God. Therefore, God gets the glory. It's not your religious flesh. You know, that's the problem with a lot of people in a lot of churches. Everything they do, they do with religious flesh. It's human power. It's human thought. It's human skill. It's human effort. And it does not glorify God. As a matter of fact, it sickens his heart. But that's another issue. Now, embedded in those verses, there is the need to be warned. Warned, not warmed. (laughs) Don't dim your light. Do not dim your light. The text brings out the fact that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. This is true. You see, if if you are a light, you will shine. But I warn you that light can be dimmed. Several rooms in my parents' home have dimmers on. The electricity is on, the current is flowing, it is going into the light bulb, but you can dim it so low that you can't see anything in that room. You can do the same thing as a believer. You can be dimmed so much that our Function loses its effectiveness. We preach Christ and we help the homeless, but we're simply not effective. When we lose our effectiveness, we fall short of the glory of God. So don't, don't let your light be dimmed. Don't let it be dimmed. Don't allow your anger or your lust or your language or your apathy or your prayerlessness or your indifference and the light to dim your lights. Church, you're the light of the world. Do everything you can to guard it and protect it and to let it shine. I, you know, I don't like that song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
little light. <laughs> You're a reflector of the grandest light in all the universe. Let your light shine. And glorify your God who is in heaven so that men may see the beautiful, attractive nature of our Christ and long to savor Him like we savor Him and feast upon Him and enjoy Him. Amen? Well, when you are poor in spirit, you know, for theirs alone is the kingdom of God. When you mourn over the sinfulness of your sin, for they alone will be comforted. When you are a meek person, for they alone will inherit the earth. When you hunger and thirst after Jesus Christ, the righteousness, righteous one and his righteousness, they alone who will be satisfied. And when you are merciful in your action, for they alone will obtain mercy. And when you're pure in heart, for they alone will see God. And when you're a peacemaker, for they alone will be called sons of God. And when you're persecuted because of all of those things, you're a subject of the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let your salt be salty and your light be bright. Amen. Well, church, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Precious Father, we bow before you in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.